Yeah. Hey. Real hot girl shit. Welcome, welcome. This is Simply King Podcast. This is your boy Rodney Perry, King himself, and you were just tuned into the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for humans simply being human. And I brought back a old time fave of mine, at least. Um, someone who uh, graced me with her voice um, in the early days of this podcast. So I was so glad in this very, uh, <laughs> um, I, I don't even know, I guess you can say somewhat historic, <laughs> um, unprecedented year and unprecedented uh, election cycle that we have to, that we have to sit here and essentially figure out how we are going to go on. Right. Because no one expects us to even be four years in with this motherfucker. So I had to come back because it's a hell of an election that we all were ready to ready for it to happen in 2016. And what is different about this time is so much has transpired. So I want to make sure I give you time for you guys to catch up with Sophia and, um, and also get into this topic. So, before we get too deep, how are you doing? You know, I am honored to be here. It was an honor way back when, years ago, and it's an honor now. And I'm doing, I'm doing quite all right. Um, I'm in my hometown. You know, there's no place like home. Okay, Dorothy, come on, let me, let let them know the good news. <laughs> let them know how good the town being to you. You feel me back in, <laughs> back in Oakland, California. You feel me, <laughs> and yes. I am doing really well, Rodney. It is it is great to talk to you as always. Yes. Um, so for all who are, who are joining me and listening for the first time, um, I was uh, blessed with uh, the intelligence of Sophia um, on two episodes. Um, it was my social media programming episode, which you can find within the archives. You can find those way, 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 way back um, down on the, the list. But also my um, I'm biracial episode, which I think is a real spicy one that you guys really should check out. Um, and I think she delivered such a great topic. And you see how those were different, right? Those were so different. So imagine, 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 the you know, the versatility in this conversation that we about to have today. Um, so first, let's get into... Where is my pen? Where is my? I sound like uh, the interlude to uh, <laughs> to uh, the love below. Where are, you remember? You remember that? Where, where are my panties? Where are my panties? <laughs> I'm like, where oh, is my where, where is my pen? Okay. <laughs> where is my pen? So, all right, we're gonna get into this Twitter check-in first, right? <laughs> So today's Twitter check-in. Um, I, I don't think I ever say this to the listeners. 
sometimes I let the my guests know what the Twitter check-in is going to be, but most of the time it's usually TBD. You know, doing these things in advance, I don't know what the hell is going to be on Twitter the day that we record. I don't even know sometimes the day we're going to record until the day comes. So today we it's a very, very dope occasion that we can sit here and have this very dope conversation. Um, not only honoring black women in so many different degrees, but honoring a particular black woman. The Twitter check-in is all about Meg the Stallion. Meg the Stallion. Actually just, um, she just uh, dropped her, uh, <laughs> which is funny that it's a, it's a debut album because she's put out so much music at this point in time. We've literally lived with this woman and seen her grow uh, in front of us. Not in no like underground, we got to download your mixtape type of way, like it's genuinely like you've been here. You had you got Beyonce features. You got you got Cardi. You know you you've been around. Facts. Hot girl Meg. Hot girl What's Meg. The, the so, hot girl coach. Yeah. So first <laughs> first tell me have you um first tell me did you listen to the album and tell me what you thought. Oh, uh, I of course. You know hot girl fee on the line right now. I okay. stand for Meg. Okay. <laughs> hot girl fee. Yes. <laughs> you know the vibe. <laughs> um, I'm really proud of her. I have listened to the album. I will say, you know, mixtape. There's nothing like mixtape Meg, okay. right? It's just a mixtape Meg is a whole vibe. But I appreciate the album for the growth that it shows and the exploration of different sounds. Yeah. Like she has kind of some pop songs on there, like yeah. a Caribbean vibe. Yep. She's just exploring new sounds, and I think that's really important for an artist as they're kind of finding their voice and, and working in the industry. So I'm really proud of Hot Girl Meg. It's some bops on there, okay? I'm ready. I'm ready for the streets to open up so I could be doing some real hot girl shit. <laughs> I love that. I love, and you know what? That's honestly been the real downfall to all the great music that's came out this year. You know what I'm saying? Like... I, I just, I like, you don't know. I, well, you, I feel like you do know because everybody felt it when Hit Different came out. You know what I'm saying? When Hit Different came right. out, I was like, I need to be outside. Where is my, where is my mimosa? <laughs> where is, where are my brunch boots at? Well, hold up. What's where going on? Day party. We should be at a day party. Hitting it different. You feel me? Like it truly, it like, and it's been a yeah. few moments like that throughout this year where it's been just original songs, you know. And it's 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 getting more and more ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Unless you genuinely live in Atlanta or another, <laughs> either Atlanta or Tulum, you're probably not having the best time wherever you're at. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> but I I, I want to say I listened to the album too, and um, okay. I, I've um, I've grown to a, uh, a understanding of when I'm listening to women in rap. Um, I think it's always been okay. interesting because it's always been this kind of, you know, controversial topic about, you know, people be, like women being, you know, skilled as the men and held to a different right. standard and so many different things. And I think it was um, I think I know for a fact it was Lemonade that introduced the concept of something being made uh, without the male gaze. Right. Because mm -hmm. um, that's what I felt. That's what I felt when I watched it. I feel like throughout Lemonade, it was not a point in time where it felt like this was exact. This was made for me. You know, this was right. made for me to really, for it to resonate to me. And I think it was genuinely for, at least at least for anyone who didn't resonate to it, it was just for you to appreciate, you know? 
And um, right. mm-hmm. and I appreciate so much about Meg for so many different reasons. Um, just I did a whole episode featuring uh, Taylor Crenshaw called Lukewarm Summer. And this had to be, was this last summer? I think it might have been last summer. And the conversation that was being had was about this whole hot girl summer movement and just that being okay. a phrase and the idea of what that means because people were trying to really figure it out so they could live the live it out. You know what I'm saying? Hot girl life. Hot, right. that, that hot girl life. You know what I'm saying? And what <laughs> I took it as, or at least maybe, maybe, I guess, you know, that's why I call myself womanist adjacent because I'm still a man at the end of the day. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So it's still some, you know, it's, it's going to be some shit that I, I you know, got to come back on. The thing that I was pushing the most was sexual liberation, because that's what one thing that I feel like without that piece, a lot of you are already doing this. A lot of you are already living your life in the way that you want to or at least are aspiring mm-hmm. to be so. The part to me that I feel like really made it, you know, really spicy was the fact you can go out here and shake your ass in public and and you can not only do that, you can go out with your girls. Mm-hmm. Go to brunch. Day drink your life away. And then hit up that dude you've been, you know what I'm saying, talking to for a little, you know, little, 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 little afternoon, little, you know, little afternoon, what's we call it? You know what I'm saying? A little rendezvous. Little razzle dazzle, you feel me? And and that could be whatever it is. That could be as casual you want it to be, or that man could be your, you know, committed dude. Whatever it is, spice it up, baby girl. Do what you want to do. If that's your prerogative, go ahead. You know what I'm saying? And I think to me, it was more so about uh, taking control over your life in the yeah. sense of like the interaction of uh, uh, interaction of, you know, whomever you're attracted to, whatever your life is like, but also just living it up. Just live it up, goddamn. You know what I'm saying? Just be hot, you know? Be out. Be hot and be out. And um, that's what it it felt. What's interesting about it was I kept noticing how so many, um, so so it seemed like so many women wanted to be that, but it was like, I don't know how. Like, ooh. And so that was what the, the topic was about. And I just love that, promoting that, sense of that. And I think... There's so much power in um, in talking about sex, and um, and I think what she does is very empower is, is very empowering because it it, it makes you uh, it puts in perspective, you know, that not only women want sex too, and that's always been a thing. Any man who who gets sex often should know that. Um, but it, it puts it in a perspective of, you know, it's specific. You know, it's, it's different for each person. It's individualized. It's all these different things. But it's more so it takes this um, – it takes men out of the center of it, you know? And I think right. that's what I, what I hear and what I appreciate and what I fuck with. Because it's, 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 it's beautiful, some of these things. You know what I'm saying? Some of these rhymes she put together, I'm like, I would like that. I would like to, I would like to be that man. I would, I would appreciate some of this. You know what I'm saying? And it doesn't hurt that Meg can, like, wrap her ass off, right? It does like, not hurt. actually rapping. Actually she's rapping. actually dancing, and she actually looks good. You know, all of these things are, are the perfect package mm-hmm. for Meg to really, to really preach about reclaiming your own pleasure preach about reclaiming your own sexuality yes loving yourself there's so much body positivity in her music mm-hmm. right and like a healthy dose of talking shit yes because we deserve to talk shit too and, and, so, and it's sexy it is sexy it is. you know what i'm saying you can't <laughs> deny it you know what i'm saying and if anything 
it's crazy that some men don't understand it or they they um uh, they categorize it differently. You know, I think that's something that I would really love to um consistently promote and that's the inspiration that's making room within your mind and your psyche for you to be inspired by something that may not have shit to do with you, you know? Um and I think that's the part that misses a lot of men. That's why they usually kind of compartmentalize uh this type of music. They 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 would never be caught jamming a meg and this that and the third because it's like that ain't for me. I can't rap along to, you know, me rubbing on dicks and shit. I can't I can't say that in the car, you know what I'm saying? That ain't what I want. <laughs> That ain't, that ain't what I'm trying to be on, you know, all that shit. And it's like, I guess, my dude, like, I get it. You don't have to rap along, but you can enjoy it. You can support. It is what it is. Um, but also keep in mind, like, that's the expectation that is put on women when it comes to all the shit that men put out, you know? And they, and, and they sing along. They, mm-hmm. they, you know, it's a whole lot of throw babies going around <laughs> right now. <laughs> I, you know how many times I've talked about getting my dick sucked in the song? I don't, you know, and I'm proud the, of you. I'm proud of you. You know what I'm saying? I'm proud of you re- reclaiming your penis. You feel me? And <laughs> am I being, am I cursing too much? I'm no, sorry. girl, go, go, <laughs> go. No, but no, I, I think um, what you what you had uh, posted on, on Instagram was so dope um, because I think it's something that a lot of people don't know anything about. And I actually um, broke this down to one of my best friends, Benny Roosevelt, because he, he does so much work uh, mm-hmm. in, this, in this erotic space. And um, right. and he and what's dope is he does it in this erotic space, but it's this black erotic space too. And um, there's so much power. There's so much power um, that women possess that um, that I think is always presented. And I get why I get why it's um, still still kind of being um, unpacked in so many different ways because a lot everybody doesn't take a women's studies class. Everybody doesn't read Aji Lord and various other <laughs> women who've written on these particular <laughs> topics. Uh, and, but also it's the concept of, we've already been brainwashed with the concept that women have to be pure, you know, that whole purity and piety situation, you know, where it's right. like you got to be clean. Men are the ones who are going to, who do the sex. You know, you're just the one who receives the sex. Right. And... The, your opinions about it shouldn't really matter too much. That's kind of right. what the what the impression is on the world. But for me and to me, it's 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 frustrating almost when you meet someone mm-hmm. where it's almost like, damn, I got to kind of tell you about, I guess you. You know what I'm saying? That's a real weird conversation to have um, with someone that you're interested in. You know them at them asking you so many different sexual questions, and then you flipping that back on them, and them being like, well, I don't know. Um, <laughs> And like that, that's like sexual exploration is such a, uh, it's such a taboo thing for so many different people. I, I picked up on, and I love that. I love several things about Meg. I love that she's tall. I love her skin. Okay. I love that she's okay. thick as hell and that she's natural. You know what I'm saying? And most mm-hmm. of all, I love that she's Southern. Ooh, I love that she's from the South. <laughs> you don't know how that touches my heart because- I should have known. I'm, I should have known. Cause it's so, cause I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> It's because her influences are so familiar to me. You know what mm, I'm saying? Right. All this she, the, her appreciation for Juicy J and Three Six Mafia and the and the people who came before her. Her appreciation for all things Houston. You know what I'm saying? All all like these are the things I grew up on. You know what I'm saying? Gucci and all these different people. That's my shit. You feel me? Right. And that mm. you could tell she's drawing so much so many influences from those individuals and those groups and those collectives and those eras. Um, 
paying homage a hundred percent. But also, when has it ever been a black woman that is, you know what I'm saying, Southern, that has been like the truly the top top, you know, like the person that everybody's looking at, the person who's always anytime she putting stuff out, she's truly the hot girl, you know, pun intended, of right now. Like it's usually like it's usually you know what I'm saying? A woman from the East Coast, New York specifically, you know, and or in that area. You feel me? It's it's like they all they're the only ones who've ever really had the crown. Even Trina, Trina is Trina definitely has some um place in household name to a certain degree, but it is it's not as big as, you know, I don't think Trina ever got that uh that national and that domestic audience that, you know, she could have possibly had. And um, same right. thing with Rhapsody. Rhapsody's from the South. Rhapsody's from what, like North Carolina, I believe. North Carolina, yeah. Um, and then it just goes on and on with so many different women who, you know, who are still around and still doing what they do. But most of the time, we're always praising women from, you know, New York or New Jersey or something like that for their rhyme skills or whatever they deliver. And I just love, 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 love that Meg is from the South and she giving it up <laughs> the way she give it up. You know what I'm saying? She's shaking so much ass. Because I see, because I, I I put it, I put it, I remember tweeting just the other, like a few weeks ago, that like twerking should be like a, a love language damn near. You know what I'm saying? Because it brings you so much joy to, to, to watch. You know what I'm saying? To it's like, true. to watch. And like, if when somebody does that to you, just to be like, they're excited, they're happy, they want your attention. It's like you know what that did make my day. That did that made that did, that made me feel a little bit better in the inside. You know what I'm saying? You we love, love it. To see it. You love it. I'm gonna we send you the tweet. But I'm I'm ran, I'm rambling. I think I I, I know y'all. I, I love talking to Sophia. So <laughs> I want to get I want to catch up with you too, and um, yes, because it has been a while, and you are some you are someone who you know who has been around for the podcast for so long i'm five years in 150 some odd episodes in now so beer, you know beer, beer, beer. yeah we we older you know what i'm saying we both got hair on our chest now we older we grown <laughs> we grown we are grown <laughs> we grown as hell we right. grown as hell you know what i'm saying you last right. time i spoke to you i believe you were still in um grad school I think so. I think I was still in law school. Which yeah, is, yeah, lawyer. Yeah, <laughs> lawyer. Yeah. So I want you to catch the people up and catch me up specifically on yeah. um, on where you are and 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 how we how we are where we are now. How you how how you've been dealing with this current administration as well. So it's a two part question. Tell me about how things have been in the in between and how life has been for you in twenty twenty. Um, yeah, yeah that'll be the question. Okay, yeah, I know time flies because that was hella long ago the last time we like were on this forum speaking. Yes, yes. Um, but since then, I have graduated. I worked in New York. Um, I was a litigator in family court in New York, litigating child neglect and abuse cases, and then. Ooh. 2020 hit yeah that was heavy yeah (laughs) that job was heavy um but 2020 hit and kind of shook my whole shit up um as it did for everyone right so here i am in new york in my apartment in harlem with my friends you know living living some might say a hot girl life and um 
2020 came along and it really made sense for me to kind of move home. So after almost 10 years in New York, um, just a couple months ago, I moved home to Oakland and I am now working at a small civil litigation law firm here in Oakland and am surrounded by my family and I'm just leaning into the transition that 2020 has kind of bestowed upon me. Um, and I'm back in the town, back in the East. Mm. And I'm surrounded by my loved ones. I'm surrounded by my family, my goddaughter, two of my very close friends just had babies. Mm. So I'm, I'm just leaning into this like family oriented kind of time in my life right now, leaning into this transition. I cook like all the time now. Did you not? No. <laughs> I <did> not. <laughs> now she was like, I, I, was like, I cook. <laughs> I cook. No, like, this is this is a development, okay? <laughs> I What you be I cooking? Have what's, what's, your, what's your favorite thing to cook? Ooh. I you know, I like to cook what I like to eat. So I make a lot of pasta cuz I love pasta. Mm-hmm. But like you know, some lamb chops, some salmon, mashed potatoes, like regular, you know, regular shit. I mean, lamb chops ain't too regular. That's that's kind of that's kind of up there. But <laughs> but you know what? That that says a lot though. That says a lot though because what I've noticed is uh, that's the thing that a lot of people do though. I think that's that's the thing a lot of people do is they first start with what they like to eat and um, right. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that you talk about cooking because this quarant like this whole quarantines and this twenty twenty mm-hmm. shit. Because mm-hmm. going into it, I was decent, you know? Going into it, I feel like I was a very decent cook. And we had to, we have to, you know, rank my, my my culinary skills. I feel like I was, like, at a cool, you know what I'm saying, seven and a half. Oh, most that's of, hot. That's respectful. Really very respectful. respectful. I, most, most, things, most things I made were going to be great, right? But it was right. going to be something I was going to lack in, right? This quarantine has made me a solid ass, like, nine, 9.8. You feel me? Like, my score Woo! high as shit now. <laughs> High as shit now. High as you shit chef now. It. I'm chefing it the fuck up because Heard I had you. to, but also I think I've always had an interest in cooking anyway. I think mm-hmm. it just I had so much more time now. You know, right? So, this forced like slow down. Yeah, right? and, and, and it, what's what's something uh, about the? Is there anything about you know this year that has you know affected you? negatively and anything like that or have you felt have you felt like you kind of came close to the end of the year kind of unscathed um that's a really good question actually I think I had kind of when I decided to move home Mm -hmm. um because obviously like if you had asked me December 2019 if I was moving back to Oakland I would have like laughed right like that was not in the plan at all And I really had to kind of process the feeling of failure that I associated with moving home. Mm. Um, It's not a failure, right? Not not by, by no standard, by no means, not personally, not professionally. There's nothing about my move home that is negative. But I had associated moving back home with kind of like not making it. Um, or like how much of my identity in New York am I going to be able to bring home 
with me? How different am I now? Yeah. The last time I lived in Oakland, I was 17. Mm. Um, how the city, how Oakland has changed, how I have changed, like all of these things I had to face head on. Yeah. So, so, so that kind of personal um, journey which was brought on by the pandemic was, was tough for me, um, really important. And I think because of quarantine, I was able to slow down and face these things head on and have these conversations with myself and my therapist and journal and do, do the work. Right. Um, but it wasn't easy and it's a journey, obviously it's still ongoing, but I will say that was, that was what I've had to face during this pandemic. You know, I, I'm, I've, I've, that's something that I've been um, kind of consistently um, asking people because um, I just feel like it's uh, it's in the air. You know, it's it truly feels like yeah. it's it's just in the air. It's so much happening. It's a communal um, cloud of negativity that has kind of um, transpired throughout this year in so many different phases and chapters. Like this year is truly a fucking doozy. You know, just to think about the things. You know what I'm saying? Like anytime I sit down and really think. Yeah, it's been so long, and to sit there and think about how, how much has transpired really fucks with me sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like thinking about Kobe, thinking Kobe. about thinking about Kobe, thinking about you know the me thinking about me being in the office talking to my coworkers about how much of this thing is not real. You know, right? Like I I was definitely a part of that group of people. Like I don't know because I feel like if it was then there would be something going on. It would be whatever, whatever. And then it happened. <laughs> it quickly happened. <laughs> <Careful> <laughs> like, literally, just, it was like, because in my head, I'm thinking, like, ain't no way. Because in, no, in my mind, because of just money and and capitalism and just the American way, I'm sitting there thinking, there's mm-hmm. no way in hell they're going to shut the world down and tell us not to go out and all that shit. I just was like, I can't imagine that. Um, and I think I was only thinking about it from a um, – a national and domestic standpoint, not thinking right. that this is something that's about to affect the world, but you know, that's, you know, it's, it's America. That's how Americans are. I, that's, I, I blame that's, them. You know. But, um, <laughs> but I do too. yeah, but I, I think, um, also too, within this year, I think it's, uh, so interesting that we've gotten a, uh, what I've been just telling people to kind of keep their spirits up because it's definitely an energy of that. I think a lot of people need it too. Um, even though it had came right. in its uh, in this in its indifferent negatives and all these different things, uh, traumatic in so many different ways, it's also brought in um, this kind of forced sense of growth too. You know, this pressure that a lot of people didn't even know they needed to uh, yeah. to finally leave. To, uh, some people couldn't leave their job to finally actually step out on faith and um, and try the thing that they have been putting off for so long to get up and get up and go and do the thing like work out or commit themselves to a certain discipline. And um, mm-hmm. people have so much time now, you know, people are able right. to now see and, and, and understand who the hell their children are, what the, mm. what their space is like. Do they even like their home? Do, does it make sense for them to live in the city they live in if they can't move around and do what they do? You know, those things right. are so interesting to me. Like the 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 exodus that has occurred throughout all these major cities is so interesting to me. You know, people wanting to go to more simpler places because if I can't do the things here, like being out and being social, why am I here? I could. What's the point? What's right. the point? And it's like, damn, that's so interesting to me. Um, but I, I see a silver lining more than anything. You know, I think without 
without COVID-19, we probably would have had another Trump presidency. I think without um, COVID-19, we would have definitely had um, certain industries, certain industries that have always kind of been pillaging the hell out of us um, to <laughs> continuously take money from us. It was a lot of truths that came out of COVID-19. You know, right. who who thought that the government had a button to send everybody some money? Didn't know that was even a button you could push. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's oh, because we've been I thought a motherfucker's been talking about that. Matter of fact, as a matter of fact, on this very podcast, this man, I got some good memory. I remember you mentioning. I remember you mentioning to me about uh, Johnny Cochran um, yep. coming up with these wow. uh, different files to prepare some the literal case for reparations for the black community. And so it's yes. interesting to think that here we are and there's a fucking button to send out money to people to just yeah. everybody. And I, we don't got to, cause that, that was the part that was tripping me out. Cause I, I was in disbelief about that. Like, mm-hmm. we, so you saying we don't got to find we, like this bureaucratic ass city and not city, but bureaucratic ass country where we usually got to go through a, to a building, fill out paper and then wait time to do anything, you're just going to send us money without no question, without no confirmation, without no confirming uh, uh, fucking accounting routing numbers, none of that. You just already, because you already got the information. Clearly. Clearly, because the money got to whoever it needed to get to. <laughs> right. So y'all could have been giving us money? Like, what? You know what I'm saying? Or giving the specific... I, was, I wasn't even thinking about me. I was thinking about the people who really need these things, you know what I'm saying? Like really need these right. things prior to, you know, the reparations thing yeah. is a whole nother conversation because you might, you might not want to put, just drop a bunch of money like that into a motherfucker's account. <laughs> you might, cause, cause either way we're going to act a fool regardless, you know what I'm saying? In the best way, we're going to act a fool in the best way. But I, I do want to acknowledge for a second too, that we, we are able to kind of speak about this pandemic from, from, real places of privilege. Yes. Um, and I do just want to acknowledge that, that like, you know, I've been able to keep a job. Um, yep. I was able to work from home. It didn't impact my, my career. And I just, it, I, I haven't been sick. I haven't lost any family um, to this virus. So I do just want to quickly, quickly acknowledge that privilege. Shout out to uh, people who have lost loved ones, we are praying for you. Shout out to people who are in financial need because of this pandemic. We hope that, you know, success and abundance comes your way. And I think it just, it it has created a real, a stark class divide that was already, already present. For sure. But be, has become really, really in the forefront of, um, our nation like who are we depending on delivery men and grocery workers literally like (laughs) the world is revolving because of deliveries and the grocery store and of course healthcare workers yeah but like people you know regular quote unquote regular jobs are what's literally keeping the country afloat so pay those people give them holiday bonuses, protect them. And, and, and we, and, okay, and that's pay, it. The pay people <laughs> living wages has never, you never had a greater argument other than that. But yet again, that's why I speak to all the troops, you know? Right. Just like you said, you know, the people who are already having issues are, mm-hmm. it's only made the issues even, you know, 10 times worse for so many different people. Um, exactly. The things that still are probably going unreported, 
on um, in terms of the facts and the demographics of who are the most affected are still right. kind of tossed up. They were talking about it in the beginning, and then they kind of just let that shit fizzle out. So much mm-hmm. about this is fizzled out, you know? I think um, it's handled terribly. All of <laughs> this has been handled terribly. <laughs> um, and, like, we've just had to kind of just truly wait and not plan our lives to a damn, damn near a certain degree because it's like, well, I don't know if, you know, I don't know how that's going to be, but I guess we're going we gonna to see, you know, what it is right. what it is. And so many, I, I, I appreciate all of the, uh, all of the, the very radical um, corporations and things like that who have small, small corporations mostly, who have found a way to find, find a way to, you know, keep their employees and furlough people mm-hmm. just so they can at least have a job or, you know, at least right. be able to get some type of earnings and, some way, shape, or form, um, I appreciate that people, it seems like there's some flexibility in the world and just didn't seem like a lot of businesses and places of occupation were so rigid. Um, it's crazy to think about the people who have, who were blessed to have the, you know, uh, this kind of aid with um, with unemployment benefits and that extra money that they was getting. You don't know how many people I heard who was like, mm-hmm. I am doing way better than I was. <laughs> working you know what i'm saying (laughs) and that's like that's hell of a it's so sad though that's sad as hell to think about it that way it's like damn you're unemployed making more money than you would because you just from just government assistance and it's kind of like make that make sense you know truly make that make sense and um what what a life we've lived what a life we've lived thus far just in 20 this 2020 has been a whole life you know what i'm saying and of of a lifetime but uh, let me let me not continue to ramble, and um, and get into and get into this. That's, that's definitely enough catching up. Um, but I wanted to speak to uh, because you know understanding the law it automatically kind of makes you somewhat connected and uh, connected to politics in so many different ways mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because you have to understand these legislations that have changed policy for uh, for the greater community of every community. So. Um, I definitely know just by by following you that you you know have been very plugged in to <laughs> this year's election cycle as well as this uh, this past election. Um, yeah. To me, I I, I I I never I've always been a cynical person when it comes to like literally since I was probably like ten years old when it came to government. Um, I never really believed in it. I always thought I was always skeptical, but I just didn't have the verbiage to to voice whatever it is. Like I came out the womb. Right you know, dashiki or some shit and didn't even understand because I just didn't, I just, (laughs) certain things just didn't make sense to me. And it just felt so, uh, I don't know. It felt so fake and just felt so, so many, cause I, cause I think I came into the world thinking just common sense, you know, children just have common sense. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. well, if these people get all this money from all of us, why don't we, you know, do this or do that and blah, blah, blah. Right. All that shit. I think children have a basic sense of fairness. Yeah. That they're just like, well, this is doesn't seem fair. <laughs> and yeah. that's kind of the baseline that, that many children look at the world from. And we can learn a lot yes. from our youth. Yes. But I want to um, understand, let everyone who hears this understand that uh, the Simply King podcast, um, now and forever, has always uh, been for black women. And mm. I'm, I'm not late to the party. <laughs> this was me before the mics was turned on. But I'm glad I got so much of it on wax. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of y'all motherfuckers just getting y'all shit together. I see Ooh. you. 
and I'm pulling your motherfucking cards if I see the shit going on. You know what I'm saying? I want us all to do better, but God damn. You know what I'm saying? I I peep the bullshit is all I'm saying. But what I want to say is, especially because I'm going to try not to get too upset about this particular thing. I'm going to try to stay on the positive, but I'm going to definitely make some room to say what I got to say. But first thing is black women make politics very simple. Right. And I believe that you tell me how, (laughs) how can, how, how do we live in a world in a nation where we have a singular demographic Mm -hmm. that damn near at an astounding hundred, almost a hundred percent all agree with a one particular with with one particular thing, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, right. there's there's outliers. Obviously, there's exceptions to the rule. But for the majority, they all it seems like black women are forever on the right side of history. Um, within this election, <laughs> within so many different um, within 2018 and so many different primary elections for places that really needed to flip, you know, I think it was yeah. was it was it Alabama or Mississippi? I think they were about to elect. Uh, what was it Doug Jones? Alabama. Mm-hmm. The, who was a ho- the man who married a 14 year old and, and yes. all kinds of weird shit like that. Yes. Yeah. It took, it took uh, astounding efforts from, you know, black female organizers and black women as a whole going out and encouraging the vote to flip that damn thing. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And um, I want you to tell me, what do you believe is this kind of historical <laughs> kind of yeah. consistency that we see with, what's the significance of this historical um, consistency that we see with black women and mm-hmm. black, it seems like black women have a collective uh, perspective of voting to do the most good instead of just voting for personal interest. Right. And I think really, I think you wrapped it up right there. Um, black women are the highest voting block percentage wise that votes democratic of any demographic you can name um and this has historically been true so this we're talking about nixon we're talking about the nixon election reagan elections clinton elections bush elections every election black women at the highest percentage um vote democratic and it's important to note like just for this discussion we're going to put aside the issues with a two-party System. We're going to put aside the issues with how centrist Democrats have become and how we have to appease Republicans. That's that's a different conversation. When we're talking about two candidates, we're talking about Trump and Biden. Black women are going to vote for Biden. Right. And it's across the board within black women. We're talking about black women without high school diplomas and black women with PhDs across the board are voting this way. And it's really what I think it taps upon what you, what you just said is that black women vote for the collective and often can even vote against their own financial interests or against kind of some of their personal interests um, because they understand a collective perspective and because I think Black women have intimate knowledge with what oppression is and that we can acknowledge that an attempt to get closer to power doesn't actually make you powerful. 
And I think we see with men, mm. even, uh, men, black men and men of color. And then we see this with women, um, especially white women, that you vote with the position in which you will gain more power in theory. So you, white women vote against women's interests, but they vote for their whiteness. Yes. And black men, not not black men specifically, but men who aren't white, vote against their own interests in some cases, but in the interest of patriarchy. And oftentimes that interest is financial. So you see that other groups of people kind of put aside their own personal <laughs> identities um, and vote for their own interests or vote in ways in which they believe their access to power will be changed. But they're okay with that access to power still excluding other people. And the reality is when Black women access power, that means everyone has access to power. If I have access to power, everyone else now has that access to power. And that's not true of many other demographics. So that's kind of how I think about it when I think about Black women voting and voting for the collective and voting outside of ourselves for the quote unquote greater good because we feel that intimate relationship with oppression mm -hmm. and we know that when we have power and when we have access, that creates equity and access for everyone. Ooh, ooh, you said so much. You said so much with <laughs> that buzzword on the back end of that, that equity part, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I literally, thank you, for, thank you for everything that you're saying. And the equity part is something that I really want to um, consistently push to those who always come to uh, economics from this place of, you know, believing that they are the, uh, the, the new millionaires about to, they about to come up on a million. So it's like, no, I ain't for them taxes. I ain't for this. I ain't for right. that. <laughs> it's like my dude, <laughs> you are where you are. This shit that's about to happen. is not about to affect you. It don't impact you, bro. It don't and impact okay. you, bro. And you, and that's you caping, okay. you caping for millionaires. You barely know. Don't make mm. sense either. You know what I'm saying? All that shit. And for the people who are in those spaces and places with that amount of money, the fact that they complain and, and speak to uh, speak to their difference in uh, in voting and in, in their political ideas to be attached to money and affluence and uh, and quote unquote access, as you say, it's equity that I feel like is the buzzword that, that they need to be fighting for the most. You don't need to be right. you need to be standing alongside some dusty ass old ass Republicans. You need to be fighting for these <laughs> these movements and these initiatives that are all about literally di distributing wealth in the right ways. Because imagine a world, <laughs> imagine a world <laughs> where real. we where everyone has a slice of their perspective pies and you gaining more of that is based on your own individual effort. But the mm -hmm. bare fucking minimum should be a, a, a livable thing. And there should be, be a baseline. It right? should be a baseline. That baseline that you can survive. Yes. Off of. <laughs> and that baseline should be something that is obviously relative to wherever you are. Uh, right. But it shouldn't be this fucking um, this barrier of entry almost. You know what I'm saying? Because as we see, 
as we see now, money can literally come out of nowhere and mm-hmm. show up in your accounts. So <laughs> my next my next question is um, the reason why I say that is um, one um, a, po- a podcast that I frequently uh, contribute to is the Underground Culture Podcast. Shout out to my boy Jacob Sandoval uh, out there in uh, San Antonio, Texas. But one thing that I said to him and actually had a uh, <laughs> had a uh, conversation. Um, also, I feel like I kind of touched on this conversation with a with a former guest of mine, and that was speaking to uh, black women being the most patriotic. And that was mm-hmm. like that was my hot take of the week on his podcast, and um, and I still feel that way. And it's and I feel like it's been that way for so long, and in the uh, what 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 history tells us is that you know you have individuals like you know the I D B Wells and the, the foremothers of these particular movements being being you know either within feminism within you know abolitionists and, uh, and equal rights and human rights and all these various things. There's always been this emphasis on um, the collective uh, mm-hmm. progression, and um, even when it came to I had to come into you know understanding that. It was even individuals who we may all know, such as Frederick Douglass, who was partnering right. with these with these white women, you know, being going to their going to their different engagements to speak, uh, uh, essentially to be that male representation because you know male privilege is a thing to legitimize their cause. But while he was there, he still didn't use those opportunities to um, at least you know display have a display of criticism on the uh the energies and behaviors of those white women to black women you know while it, and it's kind of mm-hmm. like but you're not doing that you're not putting that same amount of energy into us the people who are your people um the women who are the ones raising your children and, and raising your communities right. and so on and so forth and i think it's uh always been interesting to me that you know consistently and i think um we see it now like the universe is trippy how it works because now the to a lot of white men probably the scariest quote unquote demographic that they don't want to be against them is black women now. Mm-hmm. You know, white men are are they are extremely scared to to offend uh, black women at this point. That's why they've lifted up people like Candace Owens and all these different things to try to create some um, uh, what can I say some some type of fodder for whatever their little you know racism and sexism mm-hmm. and white supremacy wants to present as it's like look she agreed so we could like, i could right. get this shit off right what do you what do you think about the uh the brilliance that is um the she was called a superhero even you know of stacy abrams i believe that uh stacy abrams came out uh and kind of hit all of us by storm with her brilliance, with her beautiful fucking uh, or just or oration skills, you know what I'm saying? She could talk yeah. her ass off, you know what I'm saying? She always know the right thing to She's say. Talented, talented mm-hmm. as fuck, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to Spellman, you know what I'm saying? She's a Spellman <laughs> alum. Um, I believe she's from uh, born and raised in Georgia. Uh, but what was dope was even just how she hand. I've just never seen anyone handle a essentially a stolen election. Or you, as you right. can see, as a you know, a force lost to a certain degree. In that way, like where they got so pro, they got so activated to the point to where their impact couldn't be ignored. You know, eight hundred. Well, this what she said, like eight hundred thousand people got registered to vote. Um, yeah. And she can, and then she filed. She filed several lawsuits. Can you tell 
do you know anything about that? You know, any any from a legal perspective, I guess, uh, anything about kind of her, some of those efforts behind the scenes that she might have done that people may not have known? Because I think the thing that people pretty push the most, which is still a dope feat, is that 800,000 people, like almost a million people fucking registered to vote is crazy. But what yeah. other efforts did she have, if you know anything? Yeah, I think that um, what the election, the the stolen election of Georgia's governor's race really brought to the forefront was how unconstitutional many voting laws are and how unconstitutional state laws are and federal laws are. And I can... <laughs> There was a Supreme Court case in 2013 that essentially gutted the Voting Rights Act of 1965. And what that case did, Shelby County, what that case did was say, these counties that are required to report to the federal government about X, Y, and Z regarding voting, that are required to follow these federal guidelines regarding voting, no longer need to do that because it's working. It only was working because they were required to do it. So do you see that circular logic? Like, mm -hmm. oh, we don't need these rules anymore because the rules are working. Well, when you take the rules away and no one then follows them, <laughs> you see the results. And really what that Supreme Court decision did was really gut um, a lot of these regulations and the states that you would assume, I know you love the South. I know you do. Oh, I, I, but I know, but the, I know the South, but I know the South too. <laughs> I love it, but all. I know it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the states you would really kind of, you know, aren't, aren't surprised about, um, really created and enforced some arcane laws and what, uh, Stacey Abrams really has been able to do with fair fight action um, is push back on that and file a lawsuit that really puts Georgia's entire election system on on front street, right? And puts the, the constitutionality and the legality of the entire system up for litigation. And I yeah. think that's really important because either way, <laughs> it's going to be historic, right? Yeah. If this is if this is a lawsuit in which the Fair Fight Act loses, then precedent is created for continued questionable voting systems. But if they win precedent is created to really have a ripple effect of change throughout the country. And I think it, it's extremely powerful and really important um, to kind of keep an ear to the ground on some of these lawsuits. And I, obviously I say that I went to law school, but I think there, there are digestible ways to kind of stay on top of, of this kind of litigation because these decisions are really going to be what what changes elections moving forward, um, which is really important. Like these lawsuits that the Trump administration is bringing, these lawsuits that have no merit, there are no factual basis, they're losing left and right. In theory, if they were kind of gaining traction, 
it could be a really serious issue because if if any Trump administration lawsuit made it to the Supreme Court, we'd be shit out of luck. Exactly. And we learned that in 2000 with Bush v. Gore, that was a Supreme Court case which really decided that election regarding votes in Florida. Um, and that was down party lines five to four. And now the Supreme Court is six to three. So there's really no hope. Um, so these these lawsuits and this litigation is actually really important. And it is a major factor of what Stacey Abrams has done for this election and the other amazing, brilliant, talented women who are pushing this kind of legislation and voting rights forward um, in Georgia and beyond. Stacey Abrams obviously has a microphone that's huge and that she's using in an incredible way. And she's a brilliant leader and we can learn so much from her. And passing the mic is really important. So not focusing just on Stacey Abrams, but on people that have been doing this for generations um, and organizations that have been doing this for generations is is equally as important. Mm. I, I think, um, thank you for that. I think... Uh, <laughs> It's, it's interesting because I do believe that um, to, you know, study and pay for, you know, the education to understand these particular things um, are worthy, notable, all that. But it always trips me out to really consider how America sets us up to be so ignorant. And so uh, without the tools necessary, without the education, without the vocabulary, to truly even understand um, what's happening to the things that affect us, you know, um, 100%. it trips me the fuck out. You know, like we should be able to understand anything that we look into when it comes to politics, because we should have a uh, a, a, a knowledge of this from a basic level. You know, My, the first time I ever heard of guber, what is it, guber, um, gubernatorial, gubernatorial, <laughs> the first time. I've ever heard that word being yeah. put on the TV, heard out loud. You hear? I can't even. That's that's how that's how like that's how low on my lexicon of and how often I probably said that word. You know what I'm saying? And I'm pretty good at saying words, but you are. Thank you. Um, and it's just shit like that. You know, like I, I trip yeah. out how much this this whole administration has truly made me into a person who has watched C-SPAN more times. Than I probably have ever expected to in my life. Right. I've been glued to shit because I'm, I'm, I don't, I want to, I want, you know, if, if, if the world going in, I want to see it before it happens. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, I want to at least know it's coming. I just leave want to know it's coming. You know what I'm saying? I'm definitely, I'm definitely the guy in the, in the Twister film that think he can outrun some shit. You feel me? I'm going to get my shit. Hold up. You feel me? Cause who knows, you know? But I think it's interesting. That, you know, anytime election time comes around, there's always this toss up and misinformation and toss up in so many different things. The one thing that I will say that came from this election that felt that I feel like I felt was uh, it felt like our vote mattered. Like mm. for the first time to me, I don't know about anybody else, but it felt like our individual votes mattered. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So because to me, I think my first or general understanding of you know of electoral colleges and shit like that was you know okay so you got to win these particular you know uh, counties and so on and so forth so 
it doesn't matter, even though there's this popular vote and the people in these major cities are always voting blue and these counties are blue. Mm-hmm. And that's what mm-hmm. the most people are. But the, because you have all of these individuals in this uh, in these rural areas and these gerrymandering districts and all that other bullshit, then we're going to, you know, it's going to vote red. So it's so fucking interesting to me, you know, and it feels like this is the first time the thing worked the way it was supposed to, you know, um, and didn't feel wrong, even though I still don't agree with it. I think regardless, we just should have one way. How many, which person got the most votes at the end of the day? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the most, the most people should get the, the, the choice. That's the majority rule is not majority rule. It's, it's quite simple. And it's, I'm just, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, go really ahead. Go quickly, off. Um, I think it's really important to acknowledge the roots of the electoral college and the racist roots of (laughs) how that came to be and how Southern states did not want Southern states who, who were larger by population, but not by voting population. Right. So there were more people enslaved people that created larger populations in the South, but only white men could vote and they were outnumbered by Northerners. And that's really the really simplistic reason we have in the electoral college today. So just to acknowledge that, like, this has always been rooted in oppression, right? This has always been rooted in the people who already have power maintaining power. So that's true. And then it's also true that our voices matter and that our votes matter, right? My father was a Black Panther Um, I was raised in a very political household and my dad used to take me to vote with him in every election, every single election. I would go with my dad to vote in person and he would give me his I'm voted sticker. He Mm, did the same thing with my siblings before me and for my dad, who's older. Right. And my dad, who grew up in a very in the 60s in a very political time. He like he couldn't vote. Right. His parents didn't have the right to vote. So this is one generation away from us that our people did not have the right to vote one generation ago. So I think it's really important when we talk about our votes mattering, that we acknowledge the the fight for the vote and the opportunity for us to create change through these systems while we're having this conversation, unless we're going to have a conversation about abolition and about tearing shit down and starting over and giving back indigenous lands and all kinds of other shit (laughs) until we have that conversation. So much. The conversation we're having right now is about voting. Yeah. So I think it's just important to acknowledge like the roots of the electoral college, but also how our voices do matter and our votes do matter. Um, and I think what you said is so true. There was kind of a collective feeling of like, oh, shit, we want change. So let's go vote. Yep. And yep. that's literally the point. <laughs> and yep. I think that's really important. Yep. It's really important for young people to feel that, for marginalized people to feel that, um, and for voting to just kind of be a normalized thing Yes. that everyone has access to. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I don't know if I said it on this podcast. I know I said it on the Underground, Underground Culture podcast, but it's crazy that um, in New Zealand, I believe, you can vote by phone. It's illegal for you to not be registered to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and you um, 
And it's just so simple. Like you can literally do it internationally. You can literally download a thing, <laughs> download your ballot, <laughs> fill that bitch in, upload it back, and there you have it. You know what I'm saying? Like, because isn't that the point? Don't you it's, want people to vote? Like, <laughs> shouldn't we make it as as simple as possible? You know what I'm saying? Right. Shouldn't we make it as easy as we can? You know, and especially just a random ass Tuesday. I'm just supposed to take off work and go vote on a Tuesday. Like, that's this it. Make no sense. Exactly. <laughs> like, why? Why isn't there some type of legislation on like, hey, no, nah, this is a this is a national holiday. Make the shit a fucking national holiday. That's we it. Get, Simple. We get Columbus. We get Columbus Day, and we don't. I ain't gonna say we don't need that. We can make that Indigenous Peoples Day, but Amen. we can just make it a fucking national holiday. Don't go to work, and if you're <laughs> mad that it's a Tuesday, change it to another day. Right? Like who? Like I trip off of it's the. It's that simple. Yeah, really I, that I truly, simple. I truly think that you know the people who started this country. And all that think that the Constitution is just you know yeah I get it it might be a it might have, was written in a permanent situation but I don't and I believe they even knew this shit ain't permanent you know what I'm saying right so get your sharpies ready and let's put some edits on this shit get your white out okay get your white out I'm out ready you feel me because I'm it's, ready it, to make some edits okay it's ridiculous <laughs> it's just true I have the credentials <laughs> somebody on, better credentials. let me in let okay me in. but but I, I I think you know uh. <laughs> I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting for so many different reasons. Um, but I want to talk about uh, the next four years, right? Okay. And I'm um, gonna open some wine. While oh, open talk that about wine, the next girl. Four years. Yeah. So, you know so for the next four years, because obviously we have, you know, finally uh, some. It feels like some sense of concession is occurring um, on the Trump administration because there's been mm-hmm. some hesitation on believing it, truly believing that they've even lost. You know. Uh, but some sense of transitioning is starting to occur. Uh, and we got Biden, we got Biden and Kamala, you know what I'm saying? And, um, speak to how you feel about, uh, Kamala Harris. I care. Mm-hmm. I can really care less how you feel about, uh, about, uh, Joe Biden, because I think we all, I, I just don't even want to give it no time. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather give her <laughs> some more time, but, um, and and also too, I just feel like you're the perfect person to speak to this for the collective, you know, residency that you got. You know, the the communal residency y'all both have. The, oh, you just the, know. There's so many things that are you know very similar to the both of you. Right. You know what I'm saying? You could almost say that you you know you're a little Kamala to to a certain degree. But um, <laughs> you know, but I would love for you to uh, tell me how you feel about uh, Kamala. The polarizing yeah. nature of her her presence, yeah, um, mm-hmm. within this whole election cycle, but also partic- in particular being the first, 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 first slash first, this, that, and the third too. Ooh, okay. Well, first, let me say shout out Oakland, California. You feel me? Okay, mm-hmm. Oakland's in the White House, and that's I could really just stop right there. Like yeah. Oakland in the White House, yeah. that's enough for me. Yeah, like for <laughs> like wow who who would have known right Mm -hmm. what an incredible thing to be able to say to be able to look at this brilliant capable gorgeous woman from oakland california and know she's going to be in dc running shit Mm -hmm. um and we know she's gonna be the one running shit okay let's we don't gotta pretend we don't gotta pretend in a pantsuit with with lotion on (laughs) 
Uh, woo, say butter. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Moisturize. Like, for real, she about to be the only one making choices, making decisions. That <laughs> okay, let's not get confused. Man, because we know, we know. Bruh's 77. Fee, he's he 77. He don't care. Like, and I, that's, what, that's what I was saying. I was like, I ain't gonna hold you. And I ain't trying to wish death on nobody. But I'm voting for okay. my next president. Sound like she gonna be blacking. Okay. Got a comb. She, she use a comb. My next president about to use a comb. You feel me? Because I don't know. I don't know about y'all, but I don't. I don't know how much. How much more we gonna expect these old men Listen. to be able to do this hard ass job? You feel me? A very, very labor intensive, stressful as hell, stressful right? type of job. Like I don't see it. That's you know what I'm saying? saying. But speak. Speak to. The polarizing parts, right? Yeah, because, yeah. Because before, prior to her even being um, asked to be on the ticket, she was uh, running for president um, herself. And um, personally, she was in my, you know, in my top phase, you know what I'm saying, for mm-hmm. uh, very Obama-like reasons, you know. Mm-hmm. She black, so I'm going to definitely give her some more room, give her more room and more grace for whatever her uh, her political history is than everybody else. Um, even if it is somewhat tumultuous, I'm still going to give away more grace than I am everybody else. Cause I'm like, what's the reason? And, and contextually, what's the reason? Um, was it going, doing things just to get by, to get ahead? Was it whatever, whatever? No one really knows. So I, I always going to give more grace to certain people until I realize, like, oh, you really are just skin folks and you are not for us at all. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to really, can- I didn't want to cancel it out because it didn't feel, it didn't feel like a clear cut. Uh, she's bad, you know. Even though as soon as I, as soon as it came out that she was running for uh, president, uh, so many people jumped out like she the cops. Hey, she the cops. She the cops. <laughs> Y'all need to get with these people from Oakland and shit. They gonna tell you get more information. Y'all need to do some research. Yeah, and not just jump yeah. on the bandwagon. Da, 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 da. Right. Tell tell me more about that polarizing part about common your own knowledge. A hundred percent. Um, I. I laughed because the cop, the cop statement is, has been so prevalent. Um, I don't laugh because there's no merit to it. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that um, prosecutors have a very specific job in this country. And that job often literally means locking up poor black and brown people. That is a function of a prosecutor in this country. Far too often, that is the only thing that's happening. But I think it does a disservice to prosecutors like Kamala. You know what? Excuse me. It does a disservice to prosecutors like Madam Vice President-elect Harris. Okay. Okay. To really uh, boil it down into something that simple. And I think it's just really important to acknowledge her role as a prosecutor and her shortcomings as a prosecutor, but also acknowledge she was the only woman prosecutor of a major city at all when she was elected the DA of San Francisco. Mm. Um, And the first black woman to hold that position, the first black, the first woman, the first Southeast Asian, similar to how she's the first of all of those now, that's been true in her career. And I think um, it's a disservice to to knock someone who has paved a way um, and created space for prosecutors who are more ethical 
for prosecutors who are of the community and for the community um, and prosecutors who do their job well, but do it in a way that isn't just (laughs) throwing people in jail. Um, And again, and again, until we're having a conversation about abolition as a whole, until we're having a conversation about returning indigenous lands, we're having a conversation about this system and how she works in this system. And to just call her a cop in the way that we all know what that means, right? We're not calling her a cop because we think she's um, where, I don't know, funny. We're calling her a cop because we think she's fucked up. Mm -hmm. And the connotation of calling her a cop is extremely negative, as it should be. Um, But I don't think that's fully accurate. However, it's hard to say that when your family member was incarcerated or is still incarcerated and Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris's name is signed on the line, right? That's, that's a difficult thing. And that's a very true thing. And I don't take away from any of that. And this is my community. This is the DA of San Francisco, the attorney general of California. These are people that are from my community who have been negatively impacted by things that she has done. That doesn't make her entire career something that we can throw away. And mm-hmm. I'll just, one more thing. Mm-hmm. If we look at her career as a senator, mm-hmm. she's that bitch. Okay. Okay. She's that bitch in the Senate. Her prosecutorial skills in these hearings were above what anyone else was doing above what any other senator can put forward because she's good at her job. Every decision that Kamala Harris made as a senator of California, every vote I agreed with. She was one of the fiercest opponents of the Trump administration during her time in the Senate. Mm. So we can't throw that away. She was on the Senate Judiciary Committee, the only black woman ever, the second black woman senator ever, like, give mm. give the woman some flowers. Uh, okay, I think I think that puts things into a a, a better perspective. Because um, for me, it just felt like everything that I was seeing and and looking up, it felt very um, it felt nuanced to a certain degree. Yeah. I definitely know the definition of what a prosecutor is, so I was right. Uh, just I don't know, stopped right there and was like, up, oh, uh, I'm done. She's bad. You right. Know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also thinking about the timing of everything, you know, I know, um, when it comes to that crime bill and everything, I think one thing that I feel like people don't talk too much about when it comes to the crime bill and, uh, what was it 1994 or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, how they always say, you know, well, it was a lot of black people who wanted this. Right. And I want people to really think about the ideology of, uh, of our elders, like, let's yeah. really think about that. You know what I'm saying? Like and how conservative that how, they truly yes. can be. So many of them are, you know, seeing seeing things as like I, I just don't want I just don't want these people standing on my corner. I don't want these. I don't want this happening. I don't want that happening. I don't want this. A hundred percent. And so and they that, didn't, that's true of, of like, you know, other issues or other political things like 
women's choices and like (laughs) so many other things that our elders aren't on the same page as young people are in a lot of different fields, right? Yeah. And I think it's just important to like, like what you're saying is frame things from where they're from and you can hold people accountable, but you still have to acknowledge the difference between 1994 and 2020. Yeah. 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 I I don't know. It just trips me out because I feel like that's the part that I want people to keep in mind when it comes to politicians of a certain age who are practicing Mm -hmm. uh, just legislation in so many different ways and what their motivations were. And that's hence why we need to uh, not allow, because that was an example of taking one perspective and allowing that to speak to everyone. You know, they they only took the perspective that made them look the best, made them get their agenda across. It's like, look, we got the, we got the kind of somewhat sponsorship from these conglomerates that are agreeing with this particular legislation. So let's go for it. Let's go with it. This makes sense Uh, on top of them aligning themselves to that. Cause I want everybody to understand something, you know what I'm saying? Which I feel like people understand when it comes to the, you know, when it comes to, you know, the Republicans is that there's a lot of self interest in this. There's a lot of self things in this, but I want y'all to also think about the malleableness that they kind of opt into when they want to, you know, very, yeah. very often we see, um, we see, you know, these different politicians within the Senate and within the House chumming it up, you know, for a particular uh, legislation. And that's how so many different <laughs> things have been passed because they've had to kind of scratch each other's back. Um, and so understand, you know, truly what the fucking government is. You know what I'm saying? It's one bird with two different wings. You feel me? But it's the same bird. You feel me? Um, and no one likes a bird. Who likes a bird? So (laughs) (laughs) who likes a bird, you know, Um, but I, I, but I want to, I want to continue to speak to, uh, because I feel like you already touched to the, you know, the conflicts, touched to the conflicts that I feel like Mm -hmm. black voters have, but I want this particular segment to be my segment where I get on my soapbox about something that I'm so damn ashamed of. You want to know I'm ashamed of? I do want to know. So I'm not ashamed of much, and I'm truly not ashamed of this because I was on the right side of it with my, you know, with my sisters and shit when it came to voting for the right person, at least mm-hmm. for this time, or the, the right selection of the options, I guess. Right. <laughs> <sighs> there was an astounding number of, I think around about like 18% of black men who actually voted for Trump. And mm-hmm. um, I believe it was um, around in, I think it was in around in the 90s, I feel like. In the 90s, I believe, where it was a uh, a lot more similar, you know, black black men and women pretty much voted in a very similar fashion. Um, and then it started to ultimately start to kind of change and drift off uh, as the years went by. Now we're almost at fucking 20 percent of the black uh, black male voting population are voting, uh, voting to the right. And I've seen a very interesting resurgence of so many different people. So mm. many different people who have found justification, who who have damn near changed their overall brands and personas. If they were people who are within media and this is where they've gone to, they've literally pivoted into a full-fledged black Trumper, right? <laughs> and it looks crazy as fuck. 
You know what I'm saying? It looks crazy as hell. And the reason why I feel so many ways about it is because I feel, um, I guess I'm one of those men who feels ultimately responsible about the uh, the collective actions of most men. It doesn't, it, I, I can't really, really, I can't really sit well or feel good or be complimented or take compliments about the quality of man that I present myself to be when I know for a fact that it's so many, it's, I'm, that, that I'm in the rare. Like the fact that that's a compliment, the fact that people are trying to give me cookies for having right. a show, for my opinions that I express, for just the, just all these particular things. It's like, so, because I mean, it, you, you deserve some cookies though. You know what? I appreciate that. You know, I, I take, I take, I take some cookies. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna, you know, I'm, I'm Southern. Okay. I'm not gonna turn down no, nobody food. But, <laughs> but, I, but I say that because, um, there's this interesting as, there's this interesting ass <laughs> ideology that you know, I don't know why people have just discovered this. You know that oh, Democrats were, you know, they haven't done anything for us, and they've done, and they, you know, they used to be. Um, real, you know, they used to be the Republicans of old days and blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. why would we keep on giving them our vote and they, they don't do anything for us and blah, blah, blah. And the solution is to go to the people who truly don't give a fuck. <laughs> where the population of people that they serve, they, they don't even talk to us. You got a, you got a group right. that the, the Democrats literally talk to us and then don't do nothing. Then you got a group that don't have to talk to us at all. Because they don't expect for us to, to vote for them. They know that they don't give a damn, and they know they can win without us. Understand that, y'all. We are there, There's a lot of, quote-unquote, celebratory energy around this particular election, but understand that even with the record-breaking numbers, the, second, the number two motherfucker with the most votes in U.S. history <laughs> right. is Trump. So we are, as I've always said, America being America, you feel me? And I just want, I want all the people, especially any, if this ever graces any um, white individual's ears, I want you to understand something. The world is still very much racist. Not just America, but the world is still very much racist. Just because you can keep up with a future song and you got some tickets to Beyonce and you know what Kwanzaa, the, 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 you know how to say Habari Ghani does not mean that shit has progressed. You feel me? Just because you continually say you have four black friends does not mean does not mean life and race race relations have progressed. Amen. It's not. And I just don't I don't Amen. I don't fuck with I don't fuck with I don't fuck with the alignment and the asinine thinking. Because it's so it's it's this uh it's this void. I know for a fact and this is this this will this is arguably arguably maybe my my first book that I write, and that will be about speaking to okay, the first book. Yeah, okay. yeah, you know I'm gonna have a few, baby. I'm gonna have a few. Okay, but I like that. Uh, speaking to the the void that is within black men, there's a there's a particular identity <laughs> void that's within us that I think we that shows up in so many different ways, and I think we've always we have this knack to align ourselves to something that's bigger than us or more to, to validate our existence. And that's what we really need. So we cling to, if we, if we show some, some, some physical, uh, some physical talent, then we, we really get into it because it's already, it's already, it's already steps. It's already steps in ways that we can get to this next thing and get to this next level and be that thing. Yeah. But yet we see, even with those men, 
even with those men in, in, in these professional sports, these men within, you know, behind these mics, rapping rhymes, all these different things, these men are still very much damaged. Mm-hmm. Very much don't have so much together. And realizing it so much after making so many different mistakes, them to losing their fucking families, losing their own money, doing so many different things, to then realizing, I need to get into me. I need right. to do some work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like a, it's truly a wave. It's like they, they get to 40 and then they start to kind of realize they need to, you know, tighten up. And it's kind of like there's that's the, the assumption. And I just really truly right. feel like this is an example of that. Like the the mm. black the, this black exodus, I guess, out of the Democratic Party into the Republican Party or at least Trump's Republican Party is truly one of wanting to wanting to feel like they're finally about to get a piece of the pie. There's this yeah. real strong infatuation that I believe uh, leads a lot of different men because it feels a lot more validating to lean into this kind of white patriarchal, you know, system to think because they, they believe that they have a piece within that. They have a place within that space. And the fucked up part about it is they'll allow for you to feel like you do for until, <laughs> until, until you become disposable. You know what I'm saying? Ben motherfucking Herman Cain got <laughs> COVID-19. And I, I don't even, I don't even, I don't even see. I don't even, I don't think I even seen a special I about his, no about his death. I didn't see no RIPs everywhere. They didn't pour nothing out. I didn't, didn't see them. I didn't see. Out. I didn't see a, a a telecast of Trump going to the funeral. <laughs> personally, like, I didn't see none of that. You know what I'm saying? I get it. He had COVID nineteen, so that's probably why. But at least just some energy around that. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And now you got Ben Carson, who got it too. Mm. Mm. And I think he might have be curious because I think he got some of the, you know, some of that good shit, you know, <laughs> something that none of us can't get, right? But, okay. And but you know, I think it's it's what you're saying is similar to what I was speaking to earlier, and we're on the same page, right? Like, people vote for what they believe will get them closer to the power, and black men are black, obviously, but they're still men. Yeah. And they have that going for them, right? Exactly. Whatever that means, whatever that means. But we know it means that the patriarchy is real. And if you align yourself with the patriarchy, you're aligning yourself with the the possibility of power. So it's, I'm glad you're feeling the same thing too and kind of thinking that too, because it is affirming and validating when, there are black men who you respect and who you have so much love for who are on the same page as you and you do deserve cookies. Mm. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, so um, last thing I'll say is uh, there's so much that has occurred mm-hmm. within this year as, as we've already spoken to. And I believe there definitely has been another uh, catalyst of sorts that has been put on, but has been put into the uh, the backs of <laughs> the back on the backs of uh, so many people who will take on those things, and that's truly igniting even more reasons for resistance. We already have had enough. If you read a history book, you can find a, a reason or two <laughs> to why we should resist <laughs> the 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 Amer the American way. Um, but I, I would love to know, what do you believe, you know, we're going into a whole new decade where yeah. 
we have to not only fight a literal invisible biological <laughs> fucking germ in the air and try and try to ho- and hopefully you know and manage life cuz i i'm un- i'm under the belief because of how long this shit's been going on i truly feel like we're going to be dealing with this shit for like a long time and mm-hmm. it, it's just going to uh, i think it'll gradually get better at, at to a point but i think our world is pretty much just shook up forever and it's going to forever be like shook up you know what i'm saying and it's definitely covid and then post covid yeah and like yeah. i want i want i feel like that's I'm saying that because I, that's the only way I can be okay now once I realize, like, oh, damn, certain things are never going to be the same again, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I just got to kind of just prepare my, my mind for that being so. Um, yeah. But resistance-wise, you know, I think, you know, I've seen so much. Um, I've never seen in my day. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I only got a, only got a few days, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I only got a good few days, of days and some change, you know. And I truly want to know what you felt um, when there was this kind of, you know, collective global uprising <laughs> um, in so many, you know, in damn near every major city <laughs> in the world, uh, where some type of protest. And even to the point of literal, you know, justifiable looting was occurring. Mm-hmm. And um, tell me what you were thinking. Tell me how you feel about that. And tell me what yeah. you think that might be the precedence for for 2021 and beyond. Yeah, I think I think um, it shows the power of connection. Right. So mm-hmm. for all all the negative things we can say about social media the access is real and the opportunity to learn is available and the opportunity to know what is going on around the world. We all have it. Right. And there's, there's a power in that. So I think really what it boils down to is something super simple. And that is the power is in the people. And that's Mm. shout out to my black Panther homage that shout out to Dr. Huey P. Newton and Bobby Seale, Mm -hmm. but the power is in the people. And it doesn't matter where you are and it doesn't matter what year it is. Like we, we hold the power. And I think this was a moment because the entire world had to slow down. Literally the whole world had to slow down and had the opportunity to feel that power. Yes. That power came from grief and rage and disappointment and shock. Um, We won't get into the shocking part because really it's not shocking, but we welcome people (laughs) to the table. They might be a little late, Mm -hmm. but we welcome you. And that opportunity just, it was a unique time in the entire world where everything was slowed down. And people were able to feel that power and and feel that what they were doing um, was making a difference. And that's true. Protests make a difference. Um, making your voice heard makes a difference. And I think that um, I implore Black people and Indigenous people and people of color especially um, to really 
acknowledge where we're at, but also acknowledge that sometimes it can be overwhelming um, and that the, the fight can be overwhelming and that taking a moment is, is an act of revolution. Joy is an act of revolution. Um, we mentioned Audrey Lord earlier and a quick quote, one of my favorite quotes is caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. Mm. When I am at my best, I am the highest and I am my highest self. I am bringing that energy and I am bringing that self into the revolution and into the resistance. Exactly. And that's what we need. So whatever self-care means is incredibly important. Whatever taking a step back means for each individual is incredibly important. And just to acknowledge that it's okay to have that self-care and take a break and to have pandemic fatigue and to, to need a moment that's natural that is part of the revolution and our community stands with within that. Um, and I think what people can continue to do to kind of keep the movement going, keep the resistance up. Um, it doesn't have to be rooted in anger or rage. Those things are powerful and those things are important, but it's an active revolution to support black businesses during the holidays. Mm. Like it's an active revolution to buy black, buy all your holiday gifts from black local businesses or just local businesses that are helping your local economy, um, supporting your homies. Like that's all an active revolution, right? Yeah. So that's an easy thing. I think as we're going into the holiday season to kind of think about and really be in touch with um, is that kind of, how resistance takes different, how resistance takes different forms. And I really encourage people to buy black, um, buy woman owned business, buy businesses of color. Um, we have the resources, we have the access and small businesses have taken a huge hit during this pandemic. And this holiday season can really boost up um, entire businesses and economies based on where we decide to put our dollars. And I think that is a form of resistance and revolution that we can really internalize right now. You said so much. <laughs> um, you got to stop me when I be talking too much. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I, I like that. That's, that's my shit. I like that. Rant. <laughs> Rant, damn it. You know what I'm saying? I think... Um, I'm a person who came into understanding in this year exactly what my role and purpose is within this particular uh, movement of resistance. Mm. Um, because I think that's something that I think we all maybe have done and maybe had the opportunity to do within this particular time. If you didn't, then that's okay. Sadly enough, we live in a country where you will have another opportunity. Um, mm. But for me, it felt different. Um, the resurgence, and I think it's, it's to all the things that you spoke to, it being the fact that we were all locked down and 
the fact that we were all, you know, having that cabinet, you know, cabin fever. And that's what made mm-hmm. people get the, uh, have the gumption to be like, fuck Target. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> right. I think for me, I, um, I know myself, I know myself to be a very, uh, you know how they speak to people who are, um, uh, who have like addictive personalities, right? Mm, I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not that, but I think I have a committed personality. So Mm -hmm. whatever that is for people who, once they get into things, you know, people who have addictive personalities, when they get into things, they really get into it. For me, I have a committed personality. So if I'm Mm. into some shit, I'm going to commit all the fucking way. So my conscious and when I think about the people who depend on me, I guess, um, I think about what will happen if I put myself in these particular scenarios, right? Right. And um, and I'm not I'm not signing up to be a martyr for anything uh, that I feel like doesn't make sense. I want to be if I want to if I'm gonna be a martyr for something, I want it to be all aligned in every single way, for it to not be a misunderstanding of why the hell I'm I'm there and I'm standing ten toes down on what it is and I'm standing on, um, because I think that's what's been stripped away from all these individuals who have hashtags in front of their names now is that mm. they didn't have the true choice to be a martyr. They had to be a martyr without involuntarily. Right. And I don't think that's fair. I remember saying to people around that time, it felt so strange. so weird. The praising and the communal love that was happening um, that usually always happens um, when George Floyd was killed mm, mm-hmm. to black men who were still alive. Like we love, we got to, we got we love y'all. And they were just a showering of love, at least virtually and also in real life. I was getting text messages, calls. Yeah. Because I, and I understood, I understood why it was happening, but I, I knew for a fact with, with my own particular awareness that I was very uncomfortable with that action. And it wasn't uncomfortability to the point of me feeling like this shouldn't be a thing that you should do or this shouldn't be a, a thing that should still be happening, that you feel that this is something that you should do. Um, it was the fact that it, there was a implied empathy that because of this happening, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about me being him. Mm. And I don't think that way. And that's what I mean by like, I really had to understand what I would do and what I would be. Because I know for a fact, if I'm go out, if I go out here and these people come to me and approach me, I will not show any kind of uh, pause to quote unquote, make it to the next day so I can be out there stomping and shouting again. And that's what I had to really ask myself. Like, Rodney, will you go out here and, you know, hold these signs and whatever? Like, do you have the, like, your temperament is beautiful. My temperament is beautiful in most other occasions. Mm-hmm. But it's not when it comes to that. And I had to really assess myself before, before jumping out, putting my little boots on, making a sign, doing everything to feel like I'm being a part. Yeah. Because I knew if this was an interaction for me to have, and I'm so blessed, and I truly feel like the universe is protecting me 
because I haven't had a police interaction in who knows how long. Um, and I feel like that's the protection that I've been got, I've been given, but also to in that time I realized how important my voice was in that time because mm-hmm. I immediately just did what I always do and just gave what I said, spoke on what I said, spoke on what was happening. And the feedback that I got truly led to the purpose of what my place in this resistance is. And it's like, oh, I don't, oh, so y'all, oh, y'all don't want me to be out here saying what I got to say to these people. You want me to <laughs> rather use my voice to make sense of what's being, what's being seen. Because it's hard to fucking, I guess, process. And, right. and words that I were words that I was being given and the feedback I was given was like, you truly talk about this from a place of calm. That you're not showing emotion. And it soothes the process of like what's happening. It makes you think about the realities and not keep your emotions within it so that you can't even so you're so crippled with the emotions that you can't even do anything. Like and that comforts us. We need that. We need people who could see this situation, give us the breakdown, and speak to it. And and because right. th- those are the individuals who should be telling us these instructions, who should be giving us the information to let us in on whatever, whatever. We need your voice. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I stepped into that, and I feel like that's what I want this, you know, what 2021 and beyond to be like when it comes to my place in this. Because trust, at that time. Because I couldn't be out there and I had the 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 the, the complex energy to want to be. Mm-hmm. I still, you know, gave some money, you know, volunteered my 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 vehicle, did all these other things to make sure that I'm doing my part. But it's still that, you know, really trying to analyze and access that energy of fiddling out what exactly it is your purpose is within this space. Because, yes, we need the numbers of the people on the front lines, but we also need the people, and which is what I love that I've seen. So many lawyers jumped out. Hey, yeah. if you need representation, if you get arrested, if any of these things happen, here's a quick way to call. Here are your rights. Here's, yeah. you know, these quick little, you know, little helper, you know, little pieces of, you know, content and words and posts and things to share and contact information and just resources. So many people jumped out, and I think that's what made this particular time such a moment that couldn't be ignored. That that not only just the vast amounts of people, but it was the 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 community, everyone acting into their, what their strengths are. And um, I I see what the beyond being something that if this is to occur and things like this have occurred before, and this has been the biggest thus far, bigger things are yet to come. Yeah, if no change occurs. And um, and I think that's where I'm at with it. It's like, if you think this part of the resistance is a thing, um, trust and believe. Like it's gonna come. It's gonna come a time where people are gonna stop just being so diplomatic. And you can't be upset when that occurs. And it will be right, <laughs> and rightfully so. Yes, like and we're still so. we're still out here fighting for our existence. And so much, even in the midst of fighting for our existence, so much has occurred, you know? And um, it's, it's, it's troubling at times when you really break down and, and really truly have that existential uh, kind of uh, thought process. But it's, 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 it's interesting. It's interesting to me. But I've kept you on for so long, and I appreciate your time, girl. I really do. Oh. 
Oh, you know, you know, I love to talking to you. I love talking to you. But um, yeah, I love talking to you too. Yes. So now, I do have one more because um, I didn't have these segments when I when last talked to you. So no, you things didn't. Are, things things got had to get shook up around here. You know what I'm saying? I had to grow had to grow this thing on up. But my last the last portion, and you'll hear this you'll hear this when you hear this is uh, my send it on portion. This is my kind of call of action segment. Um, where I give people either something to do, you know, give people something mm-hmm. to do, food for thought, so on and so forth, right? Um, and in this particular, send it on, and I call it send it on because I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm an R&B ass nigga. So in the, in the background, <laughs> I just, so um, what am I send it on is I would love. in racism and the fight for equity. Um, I would love for you to give just one action. Just feel like yeah. this, this is something that everyone can do. Just do that. Yeah. Is it, can it be an action I kind of already mentioned? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, my action is 100% support black for your loved ones from black-owned businesses, from local businesses, we will see our power. The same way we felt like our vote mattered, this election in a different way, you will feel your economic power when you pour your dollars into your community. And that is extremely important. And if you in Atlanta, you better vote. <laughs> yes. January, okay. Yes. And the deadline to register to vote is coming up, and early voting starts in December. And if you didn't vote for the president, that's damn sure okay because we need to vote for the mm-hmm. in Atlanta and in Georgia. So those are my actions.
This will forever be a platform um, for people to come and just give us their shit, you know what I'm saying? And um, and give us their real, you know? Um, because we're about the progression of us. And the literal personification of us is just being humans. Uh, as my tagline always says. So, let me give it to you one more time. This is <laughs> the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for Humans, Simply Being Human. I'm Rodney Perry, and this is Simply King. Peace. I gotta give a nigga space when his feelings hurt. Hey, look, cut the shit. I ain't going back and forth with a broke bitch. Jawbreaker, I ain't fucking with the sucker shit. If I cut her off, then I mean it. I just fuck about The more I ignore you, the more you adore me. Crazy ass niggas need to come with a one. Is he crazy about me or he just crazy? You been tripping lately, nigga, too attached. Got him acting like a titty, baby. Bullet wounds, backstabs, mama died. Still sad at war with myself in my head, bitches, Baghdad.